Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. People often tell me that one of their favorite things about this show is the mystery sound. As most of you know, in each episode, we play a mysterious sound and ask you to guess what it is. Anyone who guesses it right is entered to win one of our super soft t-shirts. Then, in the next episode, we reveal what that sound was and announce a winner. Now, for the past few years, we've made it a tradition to end the season with a special mystery sound game show. Each time, we invite some of our favorite podcasters to come on the show and see how many mystery sounds they can guess. But this year, we have something special in store. We took the winners from the past three years and pitted them against each other. And I gotta say, the results were pretty hilarious. So without further ado, unclog your ears, put on your listening cap, and get ready to play along. Welcome to the 20,000 Hertz Mystery Sound Tournament of Champions. In this fierce competition, three former winners will go head-to-head to see who can become the ultimate Mystery Sound Champion. The rules are simple. Each sound is worth a total of three points. If the sound is guessed correctly without any hints, the guesser will receive all three. If one hint is given, the guesser will earn two points. If two hints are given, the guesser will receive a single point. Three players will enter. Only one will emerge victorious. Let the games begin. I'm so nervous because Grace and I have been going back and forth on these sounds and I've been pushing it like simpler and simpler and she's been pushing it more complex. Grace, no! So now I'm worried that everything's going to be way too easy, but we'll find out. See, I'm just worried that I'm only good at it in comparison to my brothers, right? That like in comparison to normal people, I won't be very good. Giving us that warning at the beginning also sets us up for a horrible, embarrassing failure when we actually don't do well. Oh, yeah. So be embarrassed. It's an easy one. We'll see. Really? Okay. (laughs) So we have the winner of our 2020 game was uh, Travis McElroy from all of the podcasts. So my brother, my brother and me, The Adventure Zone. Schmanners and every other podcast that's out there. Uh, so he rose to victory in our first mystery sound episode by identifying iconic sounds like the ring wraith and got pretty darn close to guessing the sound of a herring fart. So that's Travis. Yeah. Wow. We also have John Lago Marcino the winner of our 2021 Mystery Sound Game Show. Uh, He co-hosts the podcast Under Understood. So John totally just swept the competition last year uh, or a few years back and uh, clinched the victory by identifying the recreation of an ancient Egyptian mummy's voice. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. I think this is the one I listened to and I was like, forget it. I'm I'm out. (laughs) Going to lose hard. Last year's winner is Emily Jankowski. Emily is a sound designer for WBR's podcast department, mixing Endless Thread, Last Scene, and The Common. So Emily won last year by guessing one of the most obscure mystery sounds ever, which was a sound sculpture in Croatia. (laughs) 
Now, wait, did you get the Croatia part? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Now, remind me, because it's been three years since I played. Do we ring in? Oh, I'm going to leave that to our scorekeeper, Grace East. Hello, hello. I'm one of the producers at 20,000 Hertz. You can just dive right in with your answer. And then um, we'll award points based on if you got it with no clues, one clue, or two clues. Got it. Okay. Mm. Okay. And if that doesn't work, we'll just change the rules as we go. Yeah. Sick. I love that. (laughs) Sounds fair. (laughs) So uh, I'm ready to dive into this. This year we have 18 sounds. Uh, So is everyone ready to start with sound number one? Let's do it. Ready. Ready as I'll ever be. Sound number one. Universal. Fox Searchlight. Done. <laughs> All right, John, that was correct. Oh, man. I knew nice. these, the movie ones are going to kill me. Okay, when are we starting? Uh, anytime <laughs> now. Let's go. <laughs> that was practice. <laughs> uh, so that's Universal Studios Fanfare. The original version was composed by Jerry Goldsmith in 1997. He also composed the music for iconic movies like Poltergeist. Alien, and Gremlins. Uh, The little fanfare received a little update in 2012, which is the version we just played. But they made sure to preserve the iconic melody from the 90s. I thought that was older than the 90s. Yeah, I would have guessed that too. Because I think of like all of those, you know, like planes flying around claymation earth and stuff of like 1950s and 60s. I would have guessed way older. Yeah. Yeah, So me too. Fun fact, the original original is quite old, but Jerry Goldsmith's iconic version is from the 90s. Hmm. Before there was a lot more like slide whistle and harpsichord and stuff. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Sound number two. Oh, that's a message. Your guys was right. Oh, man. John, (laughs) was that you again? I thought I won. Emily also chimed in right then, but I'm going to leave this to the scorekeeper. It was very close. I think everyone was like on the ball here. I'm going to do an even three points across the board. Nice. Thank you. So that sound is the knock brush notification on Slack. So Slack's notification sounds are largely taken from its video game predecessor, Glitch. If that knock brush sounds uh, haunt you in your sleep, Slack has a bunch of other options. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, God. For some reason, they even have a person uh, quietly saying hummus. Hummus. What? What? They do? That's what hilarious. The- and apparently in 2016, Slack tweeted that this was a goofy tribute to one of their beloved coworkers. That's how I'm going to ring in for now. Hummus. <laughs> Hummus. <laughs> Hummus. <laughs> Hummus. Sound number three. <laughs> no idea. Pardon? All right, John. Wait, am I supposed to know this? Because <laughs> yeah. I do not. One more again? Can we play it again? Nothing. Nope. Okay, hint number one. Fans of this series often mistake this for an alien language. We are all far too nervous right now to even attempt to identify the language that's being spoken in this clip. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's something from Firefly. Mm, that's a good guess. Ooh. 
Because they used a lot of like mixes of different languages to give it like a spacey cross-cultural feel. Mm-hmm. You are, so, that's a very, very good guess, but no. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek? Ooh, so close again. Star Wars. <laughs> that's right. There we go. Okay, so it is a character from Star Wars that I mm-hmm. don't think anyone's going to get. Any, any guesses before we reveal this? None. Oh, man. Is it one of those Ewoks? It's not. But John said none, which is so close, uh, honestly. <laughs> what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, here's the reveal. So no points, but the character's name is Neonum from Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Oh. He co-pilots the Millennium Falcon with Lando during oh, the right. attack on the Death Star. Yeah. The jowly-looking guy. The jowly-looking exactly. guy. The very same. What language is it? So while many people assume the character is speaking an invented alien language, he's actually speaking a real Kenyan language called Kikuyu. And he was voiced by Bill Kipsang Rotish. Yep, Rotish. What's the translation? So I actually verified this with a former colleague of mine who's familiar with this language. And it says, all you guys over there, come over here. Is that relevant in what's going on in the? Oh, they're flying the around. They're flying. <laughs> Man, I've watched. I've watched Top Gun before, and that's how they give commands in Top Gun too. Like, hey, yeah. move your planes closer to my plane. <laughs> Get over here. This is where the bad guy is. Is the bad guy's here where I am? Come here, please. Shoot your guns now. Shoot, Shoot your guns in that direction. No, no, closer to there, where I'm pointing. <laughs> Sounds number four. It's the hold music. Woo! Oh, yeah. The hold music. It is hold music. But which which company is that hold music for? Oh, man. But it's been a bunch of on a bunch of companies, though. You're right. That is technically correct. But there is a very, I don't know, corporate-y, you know. It's exactly like the company that you would expect this would come from, I, I think. Holdcom. I think I remember... This when I was like getting a Vitamix, <laughs> and I couldn't get by phone. It they were back ordered. I know, like I've heard this in the wilds. Oh man, I don't know, like an IT company, an insurance company. Hmm. It's an AT and T. Oh gosh, I really want to give some points on this one. Um, and both of the hints are like basically just leading to hold music. Um, I don't know. I'll just make up a hint. It's like part of the name of a big city in. California. Uh-huh. Silicon <laughs> snowing. <laughs> Angel. Is it Cisco whole music? There yes. it is. Cisco. Ding, huh. ding, ding, ding. Nice. So I think I'm going to award at the very least some partial points because you all got hold music, but Travis. I did I not, think... actually. I got nowhere near it. Oh, John, well, thanks thank for you. being honest. Thank you for your honesty. I didn't get it either. I think I just said, yeah, and agreed. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> I don't okay. think so. Listen, as much as I love just skating off the back of the work of someone else by agreeing with them and then getting the credit for it, I didn't say hold music. Emily was our first uh, entry for hold music. I heard you loud and clear. So I think you're going to get two points, Emily, for that contribution. And then Travis, I'm going to give you one for identifying Cisco. I'll take that. Yeah. The points are kind of negotiable if you really want to want to negotiate. Okay. I'll give you a hundred dollars if I win. <laughs> this is a funny layer of the game. I like that. <laughs> so that was the Cisco hold music, also known as Opus number one. 
It was created in 1989 by a 16-year-old named Tim Carlton using a drum machine and a synthesizer. Uh, years later, Tim's friend got a job at Cisco and programmed the track as the default hold music for the company's new phones. And the rest is history. Did Tim get to a second opus? I hope so. <laughs> More than that, did Tim get paid? Yeah. That's a better question. Royalties? That is a better question. Yeah. Where is he today? Right here. Come in here, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where, where are we with points, uh, Grace, overall? Yeah, so Emily is in the lead with five. How? <laughs> Travis is in a close second with four, and John is in a close third with three. Oh, boy. Sound number five. Is this HBO? It is not HBO. Then it must be TV. Hmm. Is it Viacom? From the 90s. Maybe these are not as easy as I thought. Take that, John. This is like a home video <laughs> thing. This is. Mm, I get the home video vibes from that, yeah. Coming to home video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, can you play it one more time? Mm. It's really good. Yeah. 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 This is the sound that Slack should play every time you get a message. <laughs> right. I would like this sound to play when I enter a room. Yes. <laughs> My favorite thing about the Mystery Sound Show is that there are at least 10,000 people simultaneously yeah. freaking us. out yes. because they know yeah. this sound. Furious. Is it a startup sound for like... It sure is. For like Sega Dreamcast? Oh, you keep going. It's the PlayStation. We had the correct answer between John and Emily. It is the first-gen PlayStation startup. Oh. Mm. Yes. But then again, John was working off of Emily's startup sound. Yeah, exactly. I do yeah, yeah, deserve yeah. a point. I think, again, what we're going to do is Emily gets two and John Ooh. gets one. Okay. Uh, so this is the startup sound from the first PlayStation console. It was created by a Japanese sound designer... Takafumi Fujisawa. And uh, 1994, uh, he also created an alternate version where he whispered the words PlayStation over the animation. <laughs> Hummus. Hummus. But it was ultimately nixed by the rest of the team. Oh, bummer. Uh, all right. So um, the next one is a song, and we're looking for the song title. So oh, no. let's go. Sound number six. Freezing cold in Einstein's shoes, oh. You're the cold maid, say one freezing cold in Einstein's shoes, oh. I know this All is right. that Italian song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Italian, and it's not English, but it sounds like English. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah, it's yeah. called, but it's it's a fantastic song from, like, the 70s. The video's incredible for it, too. Yeah. yeah. Emily, you absolutely got it. Wow. Yeah, all the points. So yeah, I would award 10 points if anybody could actually say the name of this, but I will go ahead and reveal it and do my best. Okay. It is the beginning of the song, Prison Colin Essen is in Kuzel. Did I get that, Grace? It, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Not that this is a real word. It's Prison Colin Ensign and Did you practice that? 
There's no way that you just got that on the first try. Oh, no, no. Colin and Sin and Chuzol. Did I say it? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, you All got right. it. So that's uh, Italian pop star Adriano Celentano. Did I get that one? It's um, Adriano Celentano. So no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you have trouble identifying the words, that's because uh, Adriano Adriano wrote the song entirely in gibberish as a playful ode to the way American English sounds to non-English speakers. And he actually improvised the entire song over a series of looped drum beats. And here's, uh, here's a little bit more of that song. We don't stay in the shoes now, a whole building scene, then a whole rape maybe get to Colonel Boss dying. Love the horns. Does he speak English? Good question. I don't know. There's a lot of questions coming back to us that I was unprepared for. <laughs> I, <laughs> this is the real quiz. Luckily, we have the power of editing, so uh, exactly. we will... <laughs> <laughs> the question will happen and then a, an abrupt cut with you saying, he did not speak English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should we give you some reactions? Or like, oh, okay. Or like, oh, disappointing. Oh, oh really? Oh. oh, oh uh-huh. I, yeah, thought, exactly. I thought you'd say the other way. I thought he so. He only spoke French and he was from Italy? Huh. Weird. Huh. Okay. Go figure. It was Kenyan. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> you can use that one earlier. Yeah. Sound number seven. Well, that's something underwater. Is that a brontosaurus from Jurassic Park? It sounds like a dinosaur grown fart. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. It's a dinosaur drowned. <laughs> I knew it. Just a dinosaur going, oh, and then just letting it loose. Yeah. <laughs> So this sound is made by an animal that is alive and well today. A hippo? Nope. An alligator? Nope. Is it a water animal? It is not. You don't find them in North America. What is in the world? Interesting. It's um, not found in North America. Is it a a polar bear? Um, it is not. No. Is it a mammal? Yes. Uh, yes. Is it a gorilla? Is it a um so the hint number two, which is not going to get us very far, but this sound might even be considered attractive to some. It's a mating call of a aardvark, uh, anteater. Uh, I mean, everything is attractive to someone. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> not everything. Um, ah. <laughs> okay, I ran out of alphabetical animals after two. That's not good. A beaver. Definitely exists in North America, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> so I can give a geographical hint. Yes. yes it's please. found in deserts. A camel. Yes. Oh my goodness. Very I was almost to the good. seas. I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what that is. That's the weird bulbous thing coming out of their mouth. Exactly. Have you so ever seen what? this before, you guys? Camels, no. they have this. <laughs> thing they have like this organ or skin or something but it blows out like a giant bubble out of their mouth and it's disgusting and it's so weird and you have to google it oh yes no so that is the sound of a cannibal using an organ in its mouth called a doula uh, it almost looks like a big inflatable tongue which they fill with air to make that gurgling sound 
Uh, so male camels use this technique when it's time to attract a mate and assert their dominance to any other males nearby. Oh my God, I'm looking at a photo of it. See, oh. I told you. So Ugh. what we're led to believe is not only is this attractive to females, okay, but also <laughs> that the camel would do this and another camel would be like, oh, look at the inflatable <laughs> mouth organ on that guy. No way I'm messing with him. Look at him. And the other camel would be like, wait, what are you afraid he's going to do with the big mouth organ? I don't know, man, but with that mouth organ that big, you know he's like a real scrapper. Why would you assume that? Well, you know what they say. Big or mouth organ, he's going to mess you up in a fight. Nobody says that, Derek. Where does this go when it's not being used? Let's chew on it. <laughs> 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 oh, I hate that. <laughs> for, in order for that to have evolved that way, then there had to be a first camel that had a little bit of a pink bubble that could pop out. And all the lady camels were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Step yeah. aside, everybody. Look at his little pink bubble mouth bubble. Clearly, they've got something going on there. And I definitely want my kids to be able to do that. <laughs> Can I hear that sound one more time before we move on? Oh, no. With the image now in front of me. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, It's the warble for me. The last little... <laughs> Sounds number eight. So Star Trek tricorder. Ooh. Is this a sonar from a submarine? No. Travis, Travis is in the is universe. Closest. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it from Star Trek? It is. Hmm. The scanner? Well, when they're hailed by another ship? It is organic. Oh, no, it's a Tribble. That's yes, it. Yes, correct. What even is that? What is that? The tribble was in Star Trek, and they got it as this little, like, ball of fur, right? But the thing about it is it replicates... Like, it reproduces at an astronomical rate. So there's a famous original series episode called Trouble with Tribbles, where they get <laughs> one, and by the end of the episode, like, the ship is just overrun with these things, right? Uh... But all they are, they have no face, <laughs> they have no defining features. It just yes. looks like kind of a deflated, like, basketball, but covered in fur. So there's all these scenes of, like, Spock and Kirk and stuff just, like, in rooms up to their necks, in these things <laughs> trying to act idea. like well the problem is it's just clogging everything up but it just seems like okay cool man um put them somewhere i don't know <laughs> i have to assume they like just open the airlock and drop them out somewhere yeah exactly <laughs> yeah easy problem to solve yeah so that is indeed called a triple from Star Trek, and these furry multiplying aliens debuted on the original series in 1967 the sound designer is Doug Grindstaff, and he used recordings of doves cooing and then experimented, playing the tape backwards and changing the playback speeds. To get the huh. desired effect, he even altered the tape itself using scissors, nail files, and steel wool. Cool. Wow. Sound number nine. Oh, my, oh my God, I know this one. Me too. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I know. It's... Okay. It's... I to... Nope. Could you play it again? <laughs> play again. Oh, my God. It's in commercials. It's a brand. Is it T-Mobile? It is not. Is it 
Sprint. Is it Mint Mobile? It is not. I would argue it's probably like the most prolific brand sound out there. Netflix? Hulu? I'm just it's... letting the thousands and thousands of people freak out in this moment. AT&T? <laughs> it is not AT&T, although it does sound like an AT&T sound. One more time. Play it one more time. Somebody said Verizon already, right? It is not a phone. Fo- well, it's not a phone, but you do find it on a phone most of the time. Is it Gmail? Uh, no. <laughs> Google. The Google? <laughs> the Google. Google no. sound. When you Google something, yeah. bang. Bang. <laughs> it makes a sound, bang. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know we all know this, but it's... So you might recognize this if you frequent social media. Is it TikTok? It is TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. It plays at the end of the videos. That's, that's I'm not a TikToker. That's what's going on but here. Here's the thing, though. It plays at the end of the videos unless you're watching it on TikTok. That's right. Because then it just lose. Mm, really? Yeah, you're right. Hmm. So the only time you ever see that is when it's like been posted somewhere else. That's exactly right. So that is the TikTok outro music that plays after a video. The creators at Massive Music saw TikTok. Uh, All right, boomer. <laughs> Do you think it bothers the folks at TikTok that their brand has been like <laughs> ruined by the social media company? I guarantee TikTok's just happy to be talked about. Right? It wasn't like, man, before that we were so prevalent. Everyone loved TikTok. <laughs> I'm not, and listen, before you come at me, audience, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Tic Tacs. I'm just saying, when was the last time Tic Tacs were cool? You know what I mean? That's true. (laughs) So the creators at Massive Music saw TikTok as the playground of the internet and wanted to evoke creativity and joy in a sound. That first bass hit and following ascending melody is a nod to TikTok's musical origins. So I'm going to give two points to John. Finally. um, Because correctly guessed, um, I think with just one hint. We're halfway through the game and the competition is heating up. Who will become the ultimate maestro of the mystery sounds? And who will be left in the dust? We'll find out after these messages. Congratulations to Alistair Sears for correctly guessing last episode's mystery sound. That's the Universal Studios fanfare. Now, you heard this at the top of the show, but we have a few more factoids for you. Composer Jimmy McHugh wrote the first version in 1936. Decades later, James Horner created a new version for Universal's 75th anniversary. It wasn't until 1997 that Jerry Goldsmith composed the Universal fanfare that we've come to know and love. Now, this is our last mystery sound of the year, but we'll be back in January with more Sonic Mysteries. And if you can't wait that long for a chance to win a super soft 20K t-shirt, check out our online store along with all kinds of other products at 20k.org shop. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Mystery Sound Tournament of Champions. With nine sounds remaining, it's still anyone's game. Sound number 10. That's Zelda when you open a chest, or Final Fantasy when you open a chest. Travis, very close. Yeah, it's when you beat the boss, right? Yeah. Yeah, nailed it, nailed it. So that is the so-called victory fanfare from the original Final Fantasy game on the NES. Uh, It was created by Japanese composer. I really should have practiced these names before I I just got into a recording session. (laughs) What a strange last name. (laughs) I'm going to go with (laughs) Nobuo Uematsu. Nobuo Uematsu. And unlike uh, the the Zelda, se- I'm gonna have to re-record all this stuff. And like the secret unzo- <laughs> and like the Zelda secret unlocked melody, this fanfare has appeared in almost every Final Fantasy game. So here it is in Final Fantasy Four. Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, oh. And Ooh, like Final that. Fantasy Sixteen. That one's just scary. I love that it's reharmonized every time. This is so cool. I wasn't a Final Fantasy player as a kid. Now I just want to relive it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. It's good, man. There's some moments that scar me for life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds number 11. Glasses? Sounds like a glass harmonica. Sure does. It almost sounds too like a connecting a call sound. Is it the beginning of Man in the Mirror? <laughs> that's close. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not close. It's not close at all, but that oh, okay. does sound exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> you really know how to build someone up and then break them down here yeah. on the show. <laughs> that's really close. Mm. Not in an accuracy way, but... <laughs> yeah. Sonically, yeah. So this sound is AI-powered. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's hint number one. Oh, yeah. Okay, I get it now. So this is like a recreation of, or like a model of uh, running your finger over glasses? So I'm going to go with hint number two, which is, um, (laughs) this sound wishes it was Siri. Cortana? There it is. Yeah. So that's the sound of Cortana, the Microsoft virtual assistant. Cortana never quite made it as big as Siri or Alexa and was just recently phased out for good in August of this year. The virtual assistant was actually named after the synthetic intelligence character from Halo. Go ahead, Cortana. Another whisper, sir, near Io. We have probes en route. That's weird. 
Yeah, like it's weird that Microsoft will be like, oh, you know, we already got one. Let's just use that. Like if Apple had been like, yeah, this is uh, the this is our helper, Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> Sound number twelve. Monday Night Football. Football. Yeah. Well, just Fox Sports in general. <laughs> Not Ooh. football. Yes, very close. Basketball. Baseball. 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 <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> I think I overgeneralized because baseball is the only sport I watch, and I figured it was just what they put on all the sports. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that is the MLB on Fox theme. And uh, yeah, it was written by someone named Scott Schreer, who also composed the NFL theme for Fox, which sounds like this. Oh, there it is. There it is, yeah. (laughs) Those blasts are so good. Why does that sound so menacing? (laughs) It's so menacing. Like, watch out, football's coming. (laughs) Football heard what you were saying about it, and it's coming to kill you. So in 2010, the NFL theme actually replaced the official theme for all Fox Sports broadcasts, including the MLB theme, and they did that for nine years. But after almost a decade of sitting on the bench, the MLB theme made a triumphant comeback in 2020. There you have it. Uh, Yeah. Where are we with points? For sure. So on the MLB and Fox theme, I heard John and Emily chime in. So I'm going to give each of them two points. So, so far, John, you are in third place with eight. Travis is in second place with 10. And Emily is in the lead with 14. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) There's still plenty of time. I'm just glad I'm still in it. More questions about Star Trek and Final Fantasy, please. I know. Those are the ones that I dread. (laughs) So this next one, we're not going to play it all at once. We're going to play one sound at a time to see if it can be guessed. Sound number 13, part one. There it is. Oh, it's Space Invaders? It is not. Play the second sound. Sound number 13, part two. Any, anything? Pong? Oh, that's it. Oh my God, I got a video game one. (laughs) Play that third sound. Sounds number 13, part three. Yeah. yeah. Can you play them all together? Wow, Emily. I'm so proud of that one. (laughs) That's my favorite one I've gotten so far. Emily did not come here to play around. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how terrified I was today. I still am. I did come here to play around. I think I might have misunderstood. I thought this was a game. (laughs) Emily was listening to Pong all night last night. So So those are the sound effects from the 1972 game Pong. And they were created by Alan Alcorn, an engineer at Atari. The sounds from Pong come from the actual circuitry of the game itself. The hardware was already making those beeps and buzzes. So Alan used those for the game's sound effects. It shouldn't make those noise. Like, I'm not, I'm not like a science person, but if you're playing a game and it's buzzing on its own, you might want to check it. We don't know why it's doing that. Let's just build it into the game. Yeah, right? Sounds number 14. This has to be like a flash game or something. Is it? Homer Simpson in a blender. <laughs> Homer Simpson falling downstairs. 
That's great. That's a great guess. <laughs> Outtakes from the Yahoo recording session. <laughs> <laughs> Was I close on the Flash game thing? Mm, no. Well, game part. So you did get that part. Mm. Oh, wait, that's Banjo-Kazooie. That's it. That's right. Oh. Wow. What in the world even is that? Well, Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> were two friends. Banjo's a big bear. Kazooie was the bird who stayed in his backpack. And together, they went on adventures, and they could use their different abilities to get you through a world of fun. Aww. I love it. <laughs> You've sold me. Perfect description. Unlikely animal friends. Uh, I think that they were also Sega. Uh, were they Sega? I think they were N64. N64. Yeah. Was it Rare? Rare. Yep. So both of these characters were voiced by the same person, Chris Sutherland, a programmer who worked on the game. Chris also voiced nearly every character in Donkey Kong 64, including Diddy Kong, Lanky Kong, and King K. Rule. (laughs) Actually, the video, the game console was just making those noises anyway, and they decided to integrate them into the game. Yeah, his consciousness was already trapped inside each console, so we just decided to use it. (laughs) Sound number 15. Sawing a log, but recorded from the inside. Running on a treadmill. Wow. What? I said sawing a log, but recorded from the inside. The log is wet. I said running on a treadmill, but inside. (laughs) And the treadmill's wet. A clown running. Hmm. I will say Travis was close with a clown running. A little. A little close. You're warm. Hmm. Wet shoes? Technically walking, but it is a character. Is it Krusty? Krusty the Clown walking? Not Krusty the Clown. Um, So you can always hear this character uh, walking. Wet shoes would be accurate in this case. Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Should I do hint number two? Yeah. Absorbent and yellow and porous is he. Oh, SpongeBob. That's it. SpongeBob walking. (laughs) Nice. So those are the iconic squeaky footsteps of SpongeBob SquarePants. The sound design team created those using a high balloon squeak, a low balloon creak, which alternate from left to right. Cool. Sound designer Jeff Hutchins uh, created Squidward's squishy steps just by making a funny sound with his mouth that sounds like this. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good funny mouth sound. Very cool. Sounds number 16. You're dead, jolly man. Oh, that's uh, Rufio from Hook. Ding, ding, that's ding. It. Well wow. done. God. Yeah. Would have never guessed. Love that movie. <laughs> A classic. Jamie, Rufy. Oh, yeah. Dante Basco. Incredible. So that is a line from the 1991 movie Hook. In this scene, the character Rufio swings his sword so close to Robin Williams's face that Steven Spielberg opted to film the scene in reverse to avoid any accidents. Actor Dante Basco had to learn to say the line backwards so that his mouth movements would look right when the shot was played forwards. So here's a behind-the-scenes clip of the actors talking about it years later. You're dead, jolly man. You had to learn that line back then. That's right. That's the truth. Filmed in reverse. I said the line with a sword against his face. They went and stepped back. I stepped back. Just one thing. You had to say. Yeah. Namilad. I hit Rayu. That's crazy. Huh. Very cool. Nice. 
Uh, we only have two sounds left, so where are we on points? Okay. John, you are in third place with eight points. Oh, boy. And in the lead, we have a tie between oh Travis and Emily at 17. Oh, <laughs> oh so there's an, I don't have a chance now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. John, you're working with me now, bud. Yeah, get over here. You're on my team. John is absorbed. John, if I win, we win, bud. (laughs) Sound number 17. X-Files. Law and order. Ah, you were right. Law and order. (laughs) I got so excited. I got so excited. (laughs) You are absolutely correct. So that is the Law and Order Dun Dun. And to create this, composer Mike Post sampled a jail door clanging, a guy hitting an anvil with a hammer, and some drum noises. To add more oomph, Mike found a recording of a hundred men stomping on a wooden floor in Japan and added that in. Somebody should have told them about instruments. <laughs> <laughs> So Dick Wolf, the creator of Law & Order, loved it so much, and it became the iconic crime drama sound that we know and love today. Okay, so we're down to the very last one. We're making great time here. Where are we with uh, points? Because that's important. Okay, so with the last sound that we played, um, Emily got full points. So she is now at 20. Travis is at 17. John is at 8. Well, with John and I together, it's 25. Right, exactly. (laughs) I was going to say, this this last question is worth a bonus 25 points, right? Exactly. I've still got a shot. (laughs) Oh, man. There's still time. So uh, we're going to also play this out in phases. Sound number 18, part one. Oh! (laughs) Willem scream? Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, we have a big tie and we don't have another. Wait, was that a three-pointer? No, that was you're in three... last place. I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow, Dallas, salt in the moon. <laughs> was that too little too late? <laughs> you could have given it to me, John. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know it, Travis? <laughs> no, but you could have told me. You could have said, like, hey, Travis, say Wilhelm scream. <laughs> So that is the world-famous Wilhelm Scream. It's been used in hundreds of movies like Batman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Toy Story, tons more. The person that we all believe uh, voiced that was someone named Sheb Woolley on the set of the movie Distant Drums. And there are a number of takes recorded on the Warner Brothers soundstage for this scream. Uh, Sheb made a few initial attempts, including the one we just played, before letting out the one that would become famous. And we have the whole clip. A man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. Okay, quiet. Hey, quiet. Oh, stood out towards me. Okay, right. Oh! Oh! The first one you did up here was much better. Oh! No, no, not, not an owl. A real scream of pain. There it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they really, I'm glad they kept going. They did yeah. pick the right one. What I love about it, it has a quality of simultaneous, like, abject terror but also kind of falling over right <laughs> and not like falling off a cliff but like you got really scared and so scared that you lost your balance and kind of started to fall over you're like you've lost control halfway through the scream yeah right well, right, like, right yeah there's yeah. like a flip to falsetto or whatever in the middle of it that's right ah! like you're kind of surprised in the middle of it yeah. like ah! Ah! yes 
the other thing that Sheb Woolley is famous for, though, is that he was the singer on Purple People Eater. That song. Oh, wow. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. A one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. Oh, you're saying he was the singer, not the purple people eater. <laughs> yeah, he was the singer. The purple yeah. people eater has the voice of a chipmunk in mm. the song. That's not the reason that I came to land. I want to get a job in a rock and roll band. <laughs> so, Grace, who, who won this whole thing? So Emily is going to be defending her title uh, with a total of 20 points. Wow. Wow. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Just saying, the sound designer, very proud. Thank you. (laughs) Now, if if Emily should become disgraced in any way, do I step up and take over? Is this like a Miss America kind of thing? Of course. Okay. She'll keep the seat warm for you. I'll stay sharp. Just in case. Not that I'm saying anything's going to happen to Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. This episode was written and produced by Casey Emerling. With help from Grace East. It was sound designed and mixed by Brandon Pratt. And Joel Boyder. Thanks to our guests, Emily Jankowski, John Lugger-Marcino, and Travis McElroy. They're all fantastic podcasters whose shows include Endless Thread, Under Understood, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and many more. You can find more details in the show notes. And a special thanks to voice artist Allie Murphy for her amazing performance as the announcer on this episode. I'm Dallas Taylor, and from all of us here at 20,000 Hertz, have a great holiday season, and we'll see you next year. <laughs>